0: For that, meditate, workout, pray. Like I'm following a routine. I have this. I have this daily card right here that I check off of prayer, meditation, supplements that I need to take. And it's just Love things it. that I follow. I just have to. I'm like that, and I don't care. Like that's how <laughs> I live.
1: Welcome to Iron Summit where we cover topics about health, fitness, and general performance through the eyes of former elite Division One wrestlers. We're live. So today we have an awesome guest, my, my friend Benny Fowler. Benny played football at Michigan State, was a wide receiver there. Uh, two, two-time All-Big Ten honor in college. Uh, went into the NFL as an undrafted free agent. Worked his butt off. Uh ended up becoming one of the starting slot receivers for the Denver Broncos. Super Bowl winning Denver Broncos. I think one of the the biggest claims to fame from Benny. You can see the jersey right there in the background. As he caught his last Peyton Manning's last NFL touchdown pass was was Benny. Benny was on the receiving end of that one. And uh part of what I think is so so cool about Benny is after his NFL career was over, he was able to leverage a lot of the skills. Uh and things he learned in sport to being very successful in the business world. Benny now is a director at Michael Bess, which is a nationally renowned law firm, focuses on M&A. And, uh, you know, actually, I use Michael Bess myself and and, in the other side of my life on the business side. Uh, Benny's also a board of directors on the board of directors at Gameplan, which is, you know, uh, a company I've been involved with for a very long time. So Benny's a an elite performer on multiple levels and super pumped to have you on the podcast.
0: Max, Ryan, appreciate you for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Thanks for you know, pumping me up in that in that intro right there. I'm taking you everywhere with me every time I go into a room night. Make me feel really good about myself.
2: <laughs> good man, you're the best. man. That um,
1: sufficed.
2: <laughs> hey, I, I wanted to start too with just like, how did you get started in football? You know, is that an interesting story or what what made you um, basically, start and be like, hey, I like football. This is what I want to do. And then obviously go on to have some great success at it. Well, I would say when it comes to football or
0: just sports in general, it always starts with my dad. My dad is a huge sports fan. And my mom's a huge sports fan as well. But dad was taking us to Lions games early on and just wanted to immerse my brother and I into sports at an early age. You know, sports just teaches you so many different things in terms of how to be a teammate, how to perform at the highest level how to surround yourself and, and, in and set goals with incredible people and, in in life's a team sport. My dad always taught, taught us that, you know, life's a team sport, you need people around you. So I played a couple of years of little league with the Southfield Falcons and loved that. And, you know, went undefeated and you know, you're scoring touchdowns. And then I wanted to get away from that. I want to be a professional basketball player. I actually still want to be a professional basketball oh, player. <laughs> I mean, the contracts that these guys are signing are insane. why so I stopped playing. I wanted to be like Kobe Bryant. And I would say my junior year, yeah, my, you know, the summer going into my junior year in high school, you know, a couple of my friends were always calling me, hey, come out, come out, play for the team, come out, play for the team. I told my mom one day, she's like, yeah, you need to go out there. And I was like, excuse me? It's cold out there. They're getting hit hard. But, you know, sometimes you need that help. You need that support and guidance. And my mom had that confidence in, within, within me. And then my dad supported me as well. So I went out there and, and I started to play football again. So my junior in high school, I picked it back up. Played with some incredible players, Jonas Gray, Kenny Demons, these guys. Jonas Gray was the number three running back in the country at the time. Kenny Demons, maybe top 10, top five linebacker. Jonas went to Notre Dame. Kenny went to Michigan. So they had they had college scouts coming to the game. So that's what actually got me back onto the football field was one conversation, phone calls from friends, and then my mom's telling me to go back out there. So shout out to my parents for supporting me on that journey. <laughs>
1: That's, that's pretty crazy. You didn't start playing football in high school until after, until your junior year. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, and then you played division one football in Michigan state, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you, you had pretty immediate success when you got out, out there. Yeah. I scored a
0: touchdown very first game of the season. wow. You know, just, <laughs> I've, I've been very blessed with natural ability in terms of speed and agility. And in high school, I was able to separate myself, and I went to a really good high school. But yeah, that you know, immediate success right when I got onto the field, and then junior summer, yeah, going into my senior year is when I started getting scholarship offers. People came to watch me run track, and then I went to some seven on seven camps. I was still really rough around the edges in terms of my skill. I actually didn't know how to actually play. I didn't learn how to play real football until I maybe my second or third year at Michigan State. But in terms of the potential that I had, Coach Antonio at Michigan State saw it. And then I had like a couple of other offers. I had offers from Toledo, Indiana, Eastern Michigan. So I had like four or five offers and chose to go to the school that was going to have the most people in the stands, which was Michigan State, you know, 80,000 people at Spartan Stadium. So you can't beat that.
2: And that's why I chose, one of the reasons why I chose Michigan State. That's, that's awesome. awesome. So, So what about your like training going up? Uh, through high school and into college was, did you feel like you were behind? You know, starting so late. Like obviously, uh, you picked it up quickly, but I'm sure a lot of hard work went into that. And I don't know if that was like pretty stressful mentally, thinking like, "Hey, I'm pretty behind all these guys." Were you like doing a lot of stuff in the off season? Um, yeah, I guess what 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 did that look like? And I'm sure it changed from high school to college, and then college to to pro as well.
0: High school, I didn't really care as much. You don't know what you don't know. It's not what it is today in terms of the skill level. You guys probably know this in just looking at sports. I mean, the skill level in high school was insane now in terms of the actual skill that they put into it. It's not just a bunch of incredible athletes going out there to play sports. The skill level and the intention around these sports is incredible now. So shout out to the coaches and 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 I think we're just starting to see that generation or people like us who grew up in this, in this age, we now give back to a lot of these kids to help them understand the actual skill that take and what it takes to be great. Back then I didn't have, it It was just more of athletic ability. So I didn't feel behind the curve at all because all I needed was the ball in my hand and I was going to outrun whoever was trying to guard me. So I wasn't really nervous about that at all. When I got to Michigan State, though, it was a totally different story. I'll never forget my first 7-on-7. We're out there playing. The young freshmen are going against some of the seniors. I'm lined up in the slot, and I have to run an out route. So I got to run an out route. I'm in the slot. I have all of this field, wide open field over here to help me run this route and to help me get open. But the cornerback is pressed on me. C.L. Rucker, I'll never forget this. C.L. Rucker, he's a junior at the time. And the ball is hiked and he puts hands on me. He jams me all the way to the middle of the field. And <laughs> that is where it was just like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm one of the weakest people out here. I'm not good anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm like questioning myself, like, do I deserve to even be here? Are they going to take my scholarship for what just happened out there? And weren't even coaches out there. So that's when I knew I had to pick it up. I had really good receivers in front of me, like Blair White, who played for the Indianapolis and also played with Peyton. He was a senior my freshman year. Mark Dell. He was a a junior my freshman year. BJ Cuttingham, Keyshawn Martin. These guys all had chances at the NFL, so I started to really lean on them. It's one of the most important things that we can all do in terms of sports, business, whatever it may be, is find mentors and people who are doing it at the high level that you want to be at. So I had to play catch up and. I had injuries coming into college, so I didn't even play. I didn't practice at all my, my freshman year because of a, a foot injury. So I was doing two days that spring and that summer, just trying to pick up skill level, just trying to pick up skill, footwork, understanding coverages. And I was able to have a little bit of success as a registered freshman, but I was playing catch up throughout my entire college career. Cause most of these kids play college, they play football their whole life and they can see it. They understand it. They understand the concepts. And so, yeah, I was playing catch up. And then when I got to the NFL, the game is just so fast that either you pick it up fast or you get left behind. So, actually, my skill level in the short, in a very short amount of time, I'll never forget when I got to the Broncos, I played in OTAs. I I was, you know, doing my thing in OTAs and I sent some of the film back to my college coach and he was like, what happened? Because I either, Either you get with it in the NFL or you get lost. And like, yeah, you know, everything's on tape, but the, the level of play makes your skill level pick up super quick. Um, but yeah, in college, I was playing catch up like all the time.
1: I wonder if, um, do you think because you had to play so much catch up in college and you started so late that, you know, you coming in as an undrafted free agent, you just had the mentality like I can do, I can figure this out. Like I figured it out before. I'll figure it out here. And you were able to pick it up at the speed you needed to. I think that has something to do with it. I also think
0: the level of precision that it, at Michigan State, you we run a pro-style offense. And a lot of kids now, they come from these spread offenses where you just run go routes or you run slants, and that's pretty much it. Michigan State, we run the entire route tree. So all of the skills that I was picking up at Michigan State and then, you know, doubling down every summer, two, two, I was working out two, three times a day because of trying to, because I was trying to catch up. When I got to the NFL, I understood the concepts and I understood, oh, this is how you run a dig. But now my job is just to focus on this. I don't have any other schoolwork because now I'm graduated. I mean, it was just even more of an emphasis on small details and that helped me pick it up, pick it up even quicker. And then If you wanna play with Peyton, you have to be on point or you're just not, number one, you're not gonna be on the field.
2: And then number two, if you're not on point, you're not getting the ball. Yeah, it seems like you like, I I don't know if this is like growth mindset's the right word, but um, obviously you're very intelligent and you pick stuff up quickly, but it seems like you're you're seeking out people to help you kind of get to the level you wanna be throughout like when you're in these stages of learning stuff. And I I think that's such an interesting and such an awesome way to learn because it's the fast track. I think it's so hard sometimes where, you know, young athletes, you can tell them till they're they're blue in the face and they won't do it. And then once they learn that hard lesson of losing a a game or losing a wrestling match or something, it it sinks in. Did you ever struggle with, um, I, I guess, what, I think a lot of people aren't super coachable. Is that something you'd feel like you had naturally or did you learn that, you know, from your parents or? What, what made you like really lean into some mentors early on in your life um, to, to take good advice? I think a lot of people struggle with taking advice and not seeing it as criticism, but seeing it as like constructive criticism.
0: I would say watching my parents' progression throughout their professional career helped me seek out mentorship because they were seeking out mentorship. My mom and dad, they would meet with people who were at the levels that they aspired to be at. So when you see it in the household or you see it, in real time with people that are your parents or people that you love, you see you see it, and then you want to reenact that. Also had a mentor of mine sit me down and say, hey, everything that you want to achieve in life and the levels that you want to achieve or the, the places you want to go, people have already done it. Just follow what they did. Take the good things that they've done and then apply it into your own life. Now you apply it in your own way, but getting to the NBA, Takes hard work. It takes discipline. It takes sacrifice. It takes people around you. Those things aren't going anywhere. Same thing in business. If you want to be a successful CEO, a successful entrepreneur, a successful family office, there have already been people who have done it. How about you just pick on pick on them? Ask them to to teach you, and then take what you like that you can actually apply in real time. That and the concepts that you actually understand, and then operate from a place of strain. Because in life, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's been done before. I mean. Besides like some of these AI companies and things like that, like most of the stuff's already been done, but even operating a business, the fundamentals are, are, have been the same for a very long time. Business concepts are actually very simple. Executing them are, is hard. Being successful yeah. in sports is super simple. Executing is hard. Winning is hard, but the concepts are, are, have been the same for hundreds of years.
1: Yeah. That's such a good point. A couple of things there. Um. 'Cause I think we, we there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said. But the the first is, and I love your story because I think there's a lot of especially high school athletes who get a late start, whatever sport it is, and feel like they're so behind they can't have success. But the truth is is you can if you dedicate yourself, you put in those two, three practices a day, you you do find good mentors and you actually listen to it, you are a coach. Well, you can have success starting late. You don't have to be specialize in a sport from four years old which is you know what a lot of kids are doing now does it help yes but you can still have success if you start late especially if you're coachable so i love that point and and the next point is that you know kind of just because something is simple does not mean it's easy right and i think that's a great great point you made you can have something that it's fairly simple you know what to do but it's hard to go and execute it's like yeah I know what I need to do. I know how hard I have to practice. that part's simple, but going and actually doing it is not easy. It's a hard thing. one thousand percent.
0: I mean, I mean we could we should break this down in so many different ways in terms of the sports in terms of understanding things, especially when the concept of football, I mean, when I tell people it's one of the reasons why I can't actually get into coaching because I don't know what I would actually be coaching because a lot of this thing, a lot of the things that have to be done you have to take self-ownership with. You have to take self-ownership with, and it's one of the reasons why I don't, I don't coach sports, because I'm like, I would install plays, but like getting open, I didn't, I didn't learn how to get open in the NFL. You either find a way to do it, or like you won't play, or you won't you won't have a job. Like, <laughs> we're at the highest level. So I think people have to take ownership as well. Sometimes their people are like, well, hey, what do I do? No, what do you think is best? What do you think is best and how do you implement those things? I don't know max ryan like how have you how have you guys done it in in your life and and how, how have you guys incorporated
2: these things? yeah, no, I think that's that's super interesting. I think what you're talking about too is like uh, I don't know i like i just through most of my backgrounds wrestling right with sports i I played a lot of sports growing up, but wrestling was what I did in college and what I'm coaching right now, but like I think that's. It's so true. You got some people like at the highest level, the skill gap's not that different, but it's like, there's some guys that just have it. And Mm -hmm. so I think there's a certain amount of like, you can develop that, uh, those intangibles a little bit, but also I think a lot of it's like the mental side of just figuring stuff out and then putting your foot at one foot in front of the other every day and grinding through it. Because I just think a lot of people don't put the volume of work in that's needed um, for that. And I think seeing what other people do, and constantly taking feedback, and being coachable, like we're talking about with with your career, um, I think goes a long way. Uh, and then obviously there's there's somewhat of a genetic component, I think, that comes into play. But why don't you think people put in the effort, though? They people I,
0: that's one of the things mm-hmm. I always I'm always super curious about is like why don't people like want to work hard or Oh, I want to go to the NBA or I want to be a college wrestler. I want to be a professional wrestler, but like, they don't want to work hard. Like that, it honestly, to me, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense like, oh, I want to do this, but I don't want to do
1: that. There's so many aspects that one, I think here's like, uh, if you, before you get to the super elite level, I think a lot of people just don't want to do the hard work, right? Like it hurts. Growth hurts. Um, like we talked, it might be simple. I'm knowing what to achieve. So you got to have like some intrinsic drive, but then when you get to the high level and I, I've seen this, like some people don't want to do the hard work because it's like, you're putting yourself out there. And then if you don't achieve it, it hurts more. You know what I mean? Whereas like, if you, if you do do like everything right and you pour your and you, then it just doesn't work out for you. It's going to suck really bad. So I think there's like this, like, it's a little bit like not asking that girl out, right? Because you go and ask her out and she says, no, it sucks. Yeah. But like, so there's like that, that fear component as well, which you know, like one of the things I try and do, you know, when I coach now or what I employed in my own career is rather than being like result oriented, I was just trying to, and we talk about this on this podcast a lot is being process oriented. So you do, when you're doing the hard work, you're just doing the work to do the work and then whatever the outcomes are, the outcomes are that way it takes a little bit of that. You can't control the outcomes, right? You can only control the work you do and your attitude and effort when you're doing it, so I think like if more people were employing that mindset, maybe more people would be willing to do the hard work. But the thing is is like a lot of people don't and you go into most high school football practices, you know most high school wrestling practice, the 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 focus is on winning, which it has to be, hmm. but the athletes should also be focused more on the process in the meantime. And I think a lot of the best coaches. Do, do do that, but I don't know if it's as, you know, as widely preached as it should be.
0: I appreciate you, you bringing up the, the fear component of things and you putting yourself out there. I think that's one of the things that drove me. It's not necessarily the most healthy thing, but my parents let me know early on that I had a lot of gifts. So I had a big fear in terms of if I don't work hard and I will be wasting my time and talent. And that drives me, that drove me and it still does. And it's not always the most healthy thing because I'm worried about other people's opinion, but I appreciated that. I I knew from an athletic standpoint that I should be playing some sport professionally just as in high school. Like that's, there's a responsibility there to me when you have that type of athletic ability or you have that type of ability in whatever you may be doing. If you can If you can do certain things that other people can't do, how do you not have a responsibility to go out there and and at least try? Um, And when you're putting yourself out there, like, what do you have to lose? I don't know. It's something that I'm always constantly working on And when I actually looking at my desk right now, I'm, I'm reading this, the first rule of mastery, stop thinking about. I stop worrying about what other people think of you. Cause I think this is one of the things that limited me in my career, but it also drove me. I, I would work, I would work out four times a day and work on things
2: because I didn't want to drop the ball in front of 80,000 people. I wanted to catch it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really cool too. Cause like I, I struggle with that, the balance thing and kind of understanding, you know, some things that are maybe make you a high performer, maybe aren't the healthiest thing long-term, but kind of circling back to that a little bit too, I think delayed gratification and then just distractions are two huge issues with why some people don't reach their goals. I think everybody, especially with, you know, we got social media, we got, um, I mean, you can order food at the click of a button. Like everybody wants everything like right now. And so if they don't get, you know, whatever the starting spot in the first month of playing football, they're like, oh, this stinks, you know? And I think they're not willing to put in, you know, five, 10, 20 years to get good at something. And then I think you're also got a lot of different distractions going on around you. So, I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of different people you're talking to, and you got to say no to a lot of things in order to say yes to the things you want, especially Mm -hmm. even, you know, in football, in college, you might have to say no to going out to this party. You might have to say no to, you know, going on this overseas trip, no to this vacation so that you can train, so that you can finish your schoolwork, so that you can, you know, get everything done that's most important to you. And so I think prioritizing stuff's hard. And then also just locking in, because I I firmly believe if you locked in for 10 years on something, you could be a master at just about anything you want to do. But most people are like, can I get good at this in a month? Can I get good at this in a week? And then they get bored of it and kind of move on. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because it seems like everybody knows what to do, and then they just don't do it. It's
0: it's one of the reasons why I love sports so much. It's one of the reasons why I love football in particular, because... You can't get the championship in the first month of the season. Yeah. You only you can, you can only get it at the end and you have to win a certain amount of games yeah. and then you got to go to the playoffs and then there are just so many things. Football, wrestling, basketball, a lot of sports it just have that process. And it's one of the things that I struggled with in terms of transitioning is like, okay, well, you see people who can learn something in 90 days, well, Now, how about I just do that? And you don't necessarily take that long-term approach. Social media is hard. College is being ruined right now because you can just, oh, you're not, I'm not starting. I'm leaving. And there's no penalty for that. It's ridiculous. Um, And it's it's ruining college sports. And it's also ruining sports in terms of, oh, I'm not picking this university because of the university and the the education and also the sports that I'm going to get there. Oh, you're going to offer me money? Well, I'm just going here. Like, that doesn't make any sense. To me, I went to Michigan State, and I love Michigan State because of the values that it had, Coach D's values, the team, and the trajectory I saw it, plus the education. Most importantly, education I was going to get there, and then my parents being only an hour away. Now people just, oh, I saw somebody <laughs> uh, leaving. He was at Michigan State, then he went to Florida State, now he's entering the NFL draft, and he's got like th- two schools on his um letter that he's yeah. leaving by. It's like, you don't even care about the university anymore. You don't, no one cares about the university anymore and yeah, oh as, at least as athletes. And it's, and I think it sucks and, um, you yeah. know, it's, it's unfortunate, but yeah, we are in a culture where it's like, yeah, I want it now and Amazon and, you know, they're delivering things in one day. I think we have to surround ourselves with community and teammates though, to help us think about the long-term process I Think some of the things I'm trying to implement into my own life is if I'm trying to do something new, who's going to be like my teammate with this, this one thing that I'm trying to learn just because we, when we go at it alone, we want it even, we want it even
1: sooner. Yep. Yeah. Like an accountability partner. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's such a, a good way to, especially if they have, well, it's like, you know, they say you you are who you surround yourself, like the, the five people you're, you're around the most, but, and take that one step further. If you're trying to achieve something yeah be around someone who's going to push you and help you achieve that and plus i also i'm a huge believer in a little healthy competition like i think it's it's one of the best things ever like for me at at lehigh i I went into lehigh especially lehigh is like a pretty good school i was like i'm dumb compared to these kids i'm gonna get bad grades and i did (laughs) Well i (laughs) thought but then my I think it was sometime mid sophomore year. I got competitive with it. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let people get better grades than me. And okay. well, guess what? I got really good grades. So it's like, yeah, you you are who you surround yourself with, and having accountability partners. would to be a little competitive with. Uh, where did awesome. you did you think? Where did you think that mindset in
0: terms of the grades came from? Was it just because you were an athlete,
1: or? Was that some of the athlete bringing that into it or? Yeah, that's, I was like, I'm a dumb jock.
2: <laughs> and then I realized <laughs> because we I have to, to be a dumb jock. Yeah.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> a choice. Hey, you're, yeah. just, you're thinking what other people think about you, right? Like, like uh, Benny's book. Uh, yeah, you guys will enjoy this book. I mean, Michael Gervais,
0: he works with a lot of NFL teams. And this is, like I said, it's one of the things that I, I struggled with throughout my same. career. And then even sometimes I just, in my own life. Uh, what are other people thinking about me and what am I going to yeah. do if we have this as athletes you guys know this just like I do we have this performance based identity like when we leave sports if we don't do something well in like the real world we're like oh shit like we lost Yeah. And it's yeah. not like that it's like oh Yo, you can actually correct this
1: yeah well one I love Michael Gervais I actually just listened to a couple podcasts my wife is a huge Michael Gervais fan and that book actually she just bought it I'm I'm up next on it after That's she's nice uh, She's done reading it, but I thought that was awesome that you held that book up. And yeah, his whole thing is like, do it for you, right? Like, And that's like the, it's such a tricky balance, especially for athletes, because fear is one of the strongest motivators. And like the way you spoke about it, Benny, I kind of like it. Like you used your fear though, to like go and be process oriented. Like you were like, I've got talents. I got to go leave every stone unturned. Um, which I think is probably like one of the healthiest ways to deal with the fear-based mentality, but like as an athlete, how do you balance that, that fine line of like fear, being the motivator with like, just trying to be the best version of yourself being the motivator. And that's where kind of the magic is. And I don't know if there is a correct answer or where the line is, but you can, you can do both. I think high performance or
0: therapists, psychologists. I think that's where I leaned on when I was playing and I'm even getting back into even more of that now Um, because life is still, to me, we're performing and we're yeah. trying to perform at the highest level in relationships, family, work, and we need that support. I think now where everything is with the mental health stigma and And everything that you want to do and achieve in this blue ribbon culture that we, we, we live in, I think we need that guidance and support of people who really understand the mind and the brain on a better level. Like this, it's one thing to read the book and Michael Gervais, it's one thing. And then it's another thing to practice that work and being mindful and intentional. And that's where I'm always constantly trying to put myself in that position to, to still do that type of work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so. Kind of transitioning there into, you know, 2016 Super Bowl run, like there's obviously a lot of pressure. There's a lot of different attitudes and a lot of different personalities on a football team um, and the stakes get higher and higher each week. What What was that like and how did like the team, how did you manage with that? Uh, I, I guess going into the highest of, of pressure at the highest level with your sport, um, can, can you touch on that a little bit? So I didn't feel like I, I had
0: more pressure like during practice and during meetings because I was playing with Peyton. So okay, <laughs> and I was 22. So I was 22 at the time. I I didn't have like I and maybe I I was so naive to what goes on in the league that I wasn't paying attention to like the stakes of like winning the AFC. Like I felt a little bit of pressure in the AFC Championship game. You know you you can feel that, but there was no pressure in the Super Bowl because. The my first year we went 12 and four. We we lost in the first round, but we had the number one seed. And then my second year we had the number one seed, and then we went all the way to the Super Bowl. So I'm like, okay, this is how the league goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is how it is. So like <laughs> I had one state cha- I won three state championships in high school. I won two Big Ten championships and a Rose Bowl in college. So I'm like, okay, the league is like this too. I never <laughs> had a losing record in my life until later on in my NFL career. So I was super naive. So I can't say that I actually noticed a, a lot of pressure. So I was just like, okay, it's cool. Like I'm still you know, do your job. But I think going back to us talking about process, I was only focused on being in the right place at the right time for Peyton. So I didn't have to focus on like, oh, we're going to win the Super Bowl, or we're going to get this amount of money, or we're doing this and that. I was literally only focused on my job. And it helped me perform at a super high level because I was like, All that matters is being in the right spot for him, so he doesn't piss at me. So (laughs) I'm not saying that I actually understood that at the time, but looking back and reflecting on that, I was all process oriented because I was only focused on doing my job for him. He was like he's super meticulous in terms of, you know, the way he plays the game. So later on in my career, though, there was pressure, you know, because I wanted to get paid, and it was all external and Hey, I'm hitting free agency, or I want this amount of money. I'm looking for the hundred million dollar contract. And that caused me to play inconsistent football, shitty football at, at, times and opportunities where things just didn't pan out. So, you know, early this on. A, yeah.
1: I love that. It's a, I think it's a huge point is when, when you had Hayden riding you and like, it was so much process orientation. You performed really well you were focused on just running your routes being where you had to be at right place right time play by play you weren't f- worrying about like oh man i gotta have this many receiving yards by the end of the game this team i gotta win you were just focused on exactly what was you were in the present moment yeah yeah and then as it got more yeah, you know, more distractions more things to worry about being more results focused it's harder to perform it's something like, um, and Ryan, I'm sure you know, Ryan coaches wrestling at a really high level. I help out with some high school kids on occasion, but one thing I tell them is like, don't wor- don't think about winning or losing the match. Think about like scoring points or think about the positions you want to dominate. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like a sim, it's a similar thing. You're, bringing, you're taking the focus off of the, the end result, something you ultimately really can't control and focusing on what you can control, like, which is where you are, how you're gonna, what move you're gonna do next. How am I going to run this route? That singular focus. I think
0: sometimes uh, I I wish I, you know, had done a sport like wrestling because you have to be very focused or you'll get hurt out there, you know, in football, you can still avoid those things, at least at the position that I played, you can avoid those things receivers aren't getting, you know, hit like that. But that, that is, you know, being intentional or having that mindset. And having that process focus, it's, it's such a challenge, as, especially as you grow and then you get accolades and then fame. And, you know, after winning the Super Bowl, it does become about, oh man, you're getting endorsements, you're getting things thrown at you. And it's now even your agent is like, All right, it's time to cash in. And that is what you're thinking about because it's on the doorstep of things. And if I had to go back and do it, I would have told my younger self, after winning the Super Bowl, this is just the beginning. You have not reached it. you reached it. at you. I've I reached all the team pinnacle goals, but this is just the beginning. I should have doubled down on work ethic. It's not like I stopped working hard, but to take the up the next step in terms of my mindset, I should have doubled down there because that leads to the outcome that you eventually want financially. But don't forget that you're still playing this game that you love. Like the joy that you had playing with Peyton, like still, you still can have that. But once he retired, it was like, I didn't know any different. And then now you're playing with a rookie. I mean, you're going from the smartest quarterback by far who's ever played to, you know, a young person who's still incredibly talented, but it's
1: not, it's not, it's totally not the same. (laughs) They're not holding you accountable like, like Peyton is.
0: Well, then you're trying yeah. to also think about where they should go with the ball. You're trying to do their job too, and it's like,
2: yeah, no, just do yours. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned Peyton a few times. Like everything I've seen or heard about him is just how an like incredible of a leader he was. Um, can Can you touch on that a little bit? Like it seems like he expected a lot, but he was like leading from the front. But I don't like. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Like what What was what made him so special in terms of like? He was playing a high level, even when he was probably traditionally people are retired at that point, but he seemed like he was always, always working, always like, like you said earlier, meticulously looking at stuff.
0: Hayden and Eli were both like that. So I played two years with both of them and they're just both incredible players and both incredible leaders. They are not rah-rah guys. Um, They are lead by example. First, first people in the door in terms of film, in terms of understanding concepts, in terms of helping you understand your role on the team. And Peyton was really good at that. And then he was really good at just balancing leadership. I think leadership is also a balance. There is that part where he is meticulous and he is serious and he is he's going to be on you about certain things. And then there's also the Peyton that everybody gets to see on Saturday Night Live that we get a chance (laughs) to see it three or four times a week in terms of Thursday night offensive dinners or, hey, you guys come over or um, dressing up or impersonating one of the coaches or, you know, doing fake skits, you know, before we start a meeting. So there's a balance to leadership that I thought that he really showed and he really helped us understand. Well, you step on those white lines, though, it's all about business and we're going to maximize our time on this field. But he was he was really good at balancing that. Eli was the same way at training camp. You know, you go on. You know, training camp days get long, and I was on the third floor at the, at the team hotel one time. Went up to the fourth floors, a whole bunch of noise going on. Eli's in the middle of the hallway playing beer pong, and
2: <laughs> uh, you
0: know, just being one of the guys. And that's where a lot of things that you know people don't always understand about leadership, incredible leadership, is you you should be a part of the team. Yeah, Elon Musk. I I know they were talking about him a couple of years ago, sleeping on the floor at Tesla, CEO, billion dollar man, but I'm a part of what you're doing. I'm a part of what you're building and we're going to do it together. And I mean, obviously look at their private profits and what they're doing now. I mean, that speaks to his leadership and what he was able to understand. Um, so I think it transfers and it translates a lot. So, you know, Peyton, Eli, just incredible leaders, lead by example. Um, but yeah, they're going to have high expectations because they're the least athletic people in that building
1: and they achieve the most. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> true. Yeah. it's a, it's kind of like uh what a true leadership is earned and you want to follow i think you know we've all you had it with Peyton. we've all been around like true leaders you want to follow and you want to to uh do it. it's not like uh by fear it's not like i'm you know they're not you're not doing it because you're, you're afraid of getting yelled at you're afraid of like disappointing yeah, yeah i mean it's like true leadership you want to follow 100%. Like, like Peyton was a, a master at that and also just I think one of the cool things that you brought up is he kept, because he was such a good leader and you were so focused on doing your job, it kept you process oriented when he was around, which is like, that's an amazing leader. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Something I, I've never thought of until you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Peyton's great at it. Uh, yeah. Just watch him go through his process and then, yeah, you just, yeah, as you're thinking about, you know, you want to follow these leaders when you think about it. And when I think about it, you don't want to mess up for these people. Yeah. Like, of, you don't want to, you don't want to have any regrets. And that's what I had when I was, when I was playing with Peyton. It was just like, man, like, at the time, the GOAT conversation was between him and Brady, but Brady only had three championships at the time. And then when Peyton retired, it was three to two, but Peyton had every record though. Yep. He had all the passing records. I was there for that. Touchdown record, I was there for that. Seasons, single season passing yards, I was there for that. Like it's things that, you know, records that won't be some records, some of these records won't be broken, but
2: yeah, you know, pretty want cool to, to be around that, be, be around, around that himself. level of greatness up, and learn from man. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So what was it like, I guess, your transition? I mean, this was everything to you, right? It's your job, it's probably every waking second outside of hopefully you could get away a little bit mentally at, at night, maybe. But um, like, what was the transition like? Because you go from everything's all consuming to like, oh, I'm going into the real world. And I think a lot of people struggle with that transition, especially in professional sports where it's like this meant so much to you for so long, as much as we try not to attach our identity to it. I'm sure it happens. Uh, how How did that transition go for you was that hard did you think about that a lot or was it something that you know over the years you kind of figured it out and obviously you're doing awesome now um so what what did that look like
0: I think I'm still transitioning I think <laughs> I played a game in three years but I think there's I think there's always going to be a transition period <clears throat> at least until like where I don't feel like I have any athletic ability left in me I think you know, Max, right? And you guys can both speak to this. I And Max, I was even talking to Axel about this. It's like, I mean, we're still young. We're still athletic. Like, part of me still feels like some of them, I can go out there and still play. And I don't want to. And nor do I want to put myself through that type of rigorous training to get back onto the field. But, you know, when I look at Steph Curry or LeBron or any of these people, like, they're older than me. So... I still have a part of me that's like, oh, no, you should still be in shape. You should still be in elite shape. Like when you walk around, I still, I'm maybe, I'm four pounds over my playing weight right now, but I'll always be close to my playing weight. you just be disrespectful to myself not to be like that. Uh, so there's a part of me as an athlete that will always still be there. I think I'm still transitioning in terms of the corporate world is not as competitive as competitive as people think it is companies compete against each other, but people within an organization, there's a CEO and then this other person doesn't have the same standard and they don't operate the same. They don't, they don't work the same, you know, people really clock out at five. Like that's a thing. And Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. Like, you know, I send emails, you know, I don't always check email, but when I send an email, I can send an email at 10 o'clock or if I feel like I need to respond to this, I'll respond to it. It doesn't matter what, if it's after five or not. And I think that's one of the things that I, I won't lose about me. Um, but you know, Hey, like somebody shoots you a text. Like you should respond to that. Um, or if it's about work, you should respond to that. Cause that's what your job is. So I think I'm still transitioning. I think people have helped me in terms of my scheduling and i I've, I've gotten back to a very, at least Monday through Thursday. Pretty process oriented schedule in terms of how I operate throughout my day. The time I work out, very consistent. Somebody helping me with the workouts. Somebody helping me with my nutrition. um, Therapies involved in that. A high performance coach is involved in that. But really having my meetings scheduled throughout the day um, and and trying to follow a similar structure throughout that is something that I am. I'm. I'm I'm very. I put boundaries around that because it just it helps me. I've been. Yeah. I schedule like, was like that in the NFL and in college for 15 years. And it's just kind of hard to break that. And my dad's, my dad's like that as well. It's just, yeah. you know, between eight and and five, these are the things that can be scheduled. This is how I want it scheduled. So, I mean, I'm, I don't take meetings until 10. Most of the time, 10 to five is when I do meetings before that meditate, workout, pray, Like I'm following a routine. I have this, I have this daily card right here that I check off of prayer, meditation, supplements that I need to take. And it's just things that I follow. I just have to, I'm like that. And I don't care. Like that's how I
1: live. (laughs) Uh, Man, I identify with that so much. I think it's, especially if you've done sports at a really high level, you're never going to be able to get rid of that aspect. I think that's like part of what some people really struggle with or like sometimes athletes they'll go like so hard the other direction they'll tend to like really struggle but if you're like even if you're not doing sport you're trying to be a high performer in life and then you have structure and like meaning to the day um it's it's a huge aspect to the transition and i totally like i so much so i get what you're saying about being athletic and wanting to use your body. So I'm trying, I'm still competing in powerlifting. There's probably no reason for me to, other than I still have this like itch to, to do something physically, right? Like push yourself yeah. physically. It like keeps me sane during the workday. Yeah. Um, 000%. so yeah, it's, I so identify with that. And I think it's awesome that you have, and I think this is something like any of our listeners can, can take is like the way you approach your day, how you structure right. it. You have certain things you're trying to get better, every day that checklist is awesome that's badass appreciate
0: it appreciate it i think that's yeah that's what we all want that's what sports sports has given
1: us um yeah i think and we've talked about this too but it's, it's kind of like uh sometimes people think that and this goes back to being process oriented or um but sometimes people think the the results are what makes you happy or like the big wins the super bowl championships Ryan's national title, you know, the big bench, whatever you want to say is like the, the accomplishment, but what actually as human beings makes us quote unquote happy or, you know, feel good is the work itself. Yeah. The fact that work itself is the win, not the win.
0: Yeah. The champions are built on a thousand invisible mornings. It's one of my favorite quotes. And it, it, it is that I think I, I, I mean, after we won the Super Bowl, I cried for twenty minutes straight on the play ride back. And it was it was because of all of those things that you just said. Like it was the work that was done. It was the times that I've been missed, times that I dropped passes and the times that I just oh, you didn't give up. And like,
2: look what happened. Yeah. So yeah. That's awesome. I, I do think too, like talking about your checklist a little bit more, like having your body Like being physically fit and strong and feeling good actually makes you better in these other aspects of life and putting boundaries around that, like you were saying, I think is such an important thing because so many people kind of let other people dictate their day and kind of let other people schedule their stuff. And so it's like, if you can put your own oxygen mask on first, you can, you can sustain that for a long time and be in a good mental space to tackle like all these hard things outside of that. Um, so I think that's really cool that you found that system. Cause I think sometimes transitioning is tough. Well, what do your workouts currently look like right now? Like, obviously you have different goals right now, but you're only four pounds off. You're, you're playing weight. Obviously you're doing a lot of fitness right now. Like what what's that look like for you? I lift three days a week, run three
0: days a week. I do a little bit of zone two cardio. That's something that's new for me. That's a struggle because I've only been doing sprints <laughs> my whole yeah. life. So. It's, it's, hard to to dial it Back. it's so hard, um, <laughs> ton, um, and then I have a curved treadmill at home and then one lower body lift, one upper body lift, and then kind of a Metcon total body, um, type of lift. And then for the most part, five days a week, is pretty much, you know, eating fit foods or uh, following a meal plan. And then on, on Saturdays, I kind of like, uh, you know, some cookies. There you go. Chip cookies, <laughs> warm baked chocolate chip cookies but kind <laughs> of like everything dialed in and yeah those, those that's what the workouts look like and trying to stay um want to stay athletic and there's a part of me that's always like if somebody wants to challenge me right now I want to be ready to go yeah race <laughs> me if they want me to play basketball if they want to play a sport you know because I think there's a there's a part of this life that you guys both know where people actually think what you do is actually really easy and that they could do it. So I want to let them know <laughs> at all times that no, you can't. Um, you stay
2: ready. I totally, oh, sure. totally
0: get that. Somebody told me one day that they could catch a pass in the NFL. I was like, that's not true at all. I don't <laughs> There's <laughs> no defense out there. If it, It's just the fact that there's 80,000 people out there and I throw the ball up as high as I can, you won't catch it. <laughs> <off that."
1: laughs> totally get that. Totally get that. You got to stay dangerous. 1,000%. How, how I'm going to address that as I hit like 60, 70, 80 years
2: old, we'll figure out. But right yeah, now, we'll get there. there. Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. So I guess you've talked a little bit about your business transition. What's your what's your day-to-day with business like now? And what's your, I guess, do you think about future long-term goals in business? Or is it kind of just, as you said, transition a little bit right now where you're still kind of figuring out what, what you want to do, you know, 20 30 years down the line.
0: Yeah, so I'm a director at Michael Best, full service mergers and acquisitions law firm. And we, we do a lot of other things in terms of law. I'm on the consulting side and I co-lead our family office practice. It's not a place that I necessarily thought I would be in. I got into executive and leadership coaching right when I, right when I transitioned. But I thought there was another opportunity for me to join a platform where, how can I help entrepreneurs or privately held companies in other different other ways beyond leadership, so I joined Michael Best a year, a year and two months ago, and and really enjoyed it. And this also puts me in a position to learn and be successful. I don't know what it looks like in five to ten years. I know that my purpose will still be the same, which is to help people make progress within their lives. So the purpose will be the same. I don't know what it necessarily looks like in the long term future, but I'm super excited about the opportunities and relationships I've I I can build and I get to build like with. Max and his family I've really gotten to know their family and there's so many things that we can do and collaborate on and we are all very driven I think that's one of the things that if I had to give any athletes any advice in terms of as they are transitioning surround yourself with people who operate like you like continue to find your different locker rooms and my locker room looks different now but I still have high performing people around me now we don't always meet on a day to day basis but when we are around, you can, I can feel that type of energy and we're all on the same page. So that's what has helped me in terms of my transition. I am not, I don't surround myself with people who are slacking, who are, or people who are average. I don't, I don't do that. Yeah. Why well, it's not average. I'm not average. And the people that we're talking to you, Ryan, we're just now meeting, but I already know that you're driven or else you wouldn't be around
2: max. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I think. That's 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 awesome. I think you like you said, I mean, if you're you hold the higher standard and you have people around you that are holding that standard, that's your normal. So you have people pushing you and no, I, I think that's awesome. Like if I'm if I'm in a room and I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm in the wrong room. I, I want to be the dumbest guy in that room. One thousand percent. Good thing for me, I'm usually the dumbest guy
1: in a room. It's not hard. <laughs> um what I uh, I here's a maybe a tricky question. I'll put you on the spot, but what sport like, what skill from sports and football, you know, the performing at a high level there, do you use most in the professional world? Uh,
0: building relationships, building rapport with people. Something that you, in college, it's not as frequent because, you know, you're, you're there at least with your same core group of guys that you come in with for at least four years. In the NFL, the roster is different every year. You have, you know, 20 core guys out of the 53 maybe less than that, but the roster is pretty much different every single year. So you have to build rapport fast, get on the same page and be ready for, hey, I got to trust this guy to do his job because if he doesn't do his job, it's going to be hard for me to do mine. And then now the consequence is, number one, we're going to lose. Number two, I could be unemployed. Number three, he could be unemployed. Number four, the coach could be unemployed. So there's a lot that goes into that and you have to build trust and rapport quickly and be able to have tougher conversations quickly or get on the same page. And I think I do that naturally with the way I build relationships right now is that I I can tell from, you know, four or five interactions, if not, if we're going to do business, but like if, you know, how our cadence is going to be and how we're going to try to help one another, or is this a give? Are we both giving or are you just taking from me because of what I have? Not in terms of money, but in terms of like, my relationship capital or the way I show up and if you are a taker like you won't be around me long I can see it a mile away
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I love that too because I think everybody that uh everyone that's like a high level and I think Max you do an awesome job of this is like they're always trying to help people and connect people right and so like those people it always comes back to them tenfold and that's not the reason they do it but when you're always like helping people out and connecting people and you got a lot of friends, your network is so much better. Um, and I think it takes a long term vision to even like think that way, because like you're saying, like relationships, you can tell pretty early on who's like there to help you and who's there to help themselves. And and I think that goes a long way. And I've noticed that a lot just from um, just being around Max, like Max is trying to help everybody at all times. And I think I, I really respect that. And I think it's awesome. Um, and it helps foster so many cool things that you like never would have happened without it
0: absolutely puts you in a lot of different rooms and the way that people will introduce you when you are a giver is totally different than when you are a taker the warm introduction the way they people introduce you into a different room you know it's totally different you know people are very guarded with their relationships and um you know, Max can attest to this in terms of, you know, just some of the rooms that we're in. Like, you don't, you it's going to be hard to get in there if you're just trying to take everything because these, these people, they see that on a day-to-day basis. I think that's one of the reasons why I also like to give is that when you become a professional athlete, that's all people do is pitch you on. They pitch yeah. you on shit all day and yeah. they don't ask you about how you're doing or how they can help you. And I make sure especially in the work that I do now is that now I'm going to add value first and you know, almost immediately because um, you need to understand that. And you should know that's how I, I operate because I've been in your shoes.
2: <laughs> so yeah. one, one, one quick thing so on that true. is what, what's your advice for somebody that's younger? You know, we let's say you're 18 years old and you're reaching out to to Benny Fowler asking for some career advice or college decision advice. How How do you... How would you structure that or how would you want that to be structured to you if they're younger and maybe don't have something to give right away, uh, but want to foster that relationship and not just be taken from you? How how would you, you, you know, somebody that's maybe above you in a position, how do you give to them?
0: I would tell them that their reputation is everything. So watch how they show up. I think in college, you're blessed to have kind of You know that you, you can make mistakes. You know that you can have fun, but you know, be careful with your reputation. Your reputation is everything. Some of these people that you are in college with, or some of the people who have just graduated, they are noticing you. These are potential people that you could be working with in the next five, 10, 15 years. And first impressions are everything. Relationship capital is the most important capital that you have and. You need to learn how to build relationships. You need to learn how to maintain these relationships just by being yourself and finding ways to connect, finding ways to help, finding ways to ask questions and learn and grow. Reputation yeah. relationships, I think, in college are super important. If I had to give myself any advice when I was doing that in colleges venture outside of the football team, my man,
2: <laughs>
0: learn other things, learn about other people. I do that now. And I did it in the, in later on in my career in the NFL, but I think COVID, the one thing that COVID taught me was that there was another part of the world that I had no idea about, you know, all the racial tension, all the way the mental health battles. I had no idea any of that stuff went on because I was in the 1%. So I only focused on sports and I'm playing football and I'm trying to make a living doing that. And I don't know what, I never paid attention to it until the world stopped. And I was like, oh shit, like (laughs) all this is going on out here. And like, now you're a part of it because the NFL isn't going on. So, um, that's what I would tell my younger self is that there is more to life than sports, learn about what other people do, know that the other person across from you has gone through something that you have no idea how you would actually get through. And come and
1: come with an open mind. Love it. I think that's a perfect way to end, Benny. Thank you. Uh, thank hope you I for Hope I didn't your talk time. too much. I hope you guys enjoyed. No, not at all. We're here to listen to your wisdom, and uh, thank you for taking the time and chat
2: soon. Awesome, Benny, you're Appreciate the man. You Appreciate you.